This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. I'm not asking you a generic how are you. I want a real deep response. How hmm. are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Uh, you know, it's Sunday evening. I like the Nets win. I've got a big week coming up. A lot on my mind. A lot of good stuff. I'm excited for the week. And uh, I'm good. I'm anxious to get the week going. A lot of things to look forward to. And, and, and I'm excited. How are that you? That wasn't doing? my question. That wasn't my question at all. Because no one cares how you're doing they care mm. how are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, mm. what I mean by that is this is an interesting time to root for the basketball team we root for. As always, it was a week that was fascinating. You know, it starts off with this kick in the balls about James Harden. James Harden had a setback. He's back to square one. But then it continued the way this season has gone all year long. And that's by kicking ass. Despite the Toronto game, the Toronto game was a little bit of a blah, but beat the Boston Celtics, beat the Phoenix Suns, you know, take control of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference up yep. by a game and a half. And yet there are two things that occurred this week that I think have brought a lot of net fans down. Number <laughs> one, the update with James Harden not being good. Yeah. And the second thing is, and it couldn't be more irrelevant to the Brooklyn Nets, yet I know it's brought some Net fans down, and that's the fact that the New York Knicks have won nine in a row. Is that yeah. a fair statement? Uh, that is a fair statement. Yeah, it's annoying. I, I, I would think, uh, you know, like I've said before, if like a Yankee fan was doing well, but the Red Sox had won nine in a row, that might annoy the Yankee fan. Or if there was a Yankee fan that disliked the Mets and vice versa, that would be annoying. But ultimately through the smoke with the Knicks and through them winning and everything. Yes. The Nets are the one seed and kind of lost in all that is that the 76ers have been playing terribly and have not been winning basketball games at all. And that's allowed the Nets to move up in the standings and get the one seed, which of course would be a huge deal. Um, well, it would be a huge deal in the sense of matchups and getting the home court with the injury issues uh, it, it can't hurt to get, I won't, I don't want, let me take, take that back. It wouldn't be a huge deal, but it would be nice to have the one seed. So that's the good part of it. Even though the Knicks, yes, have won a couple of games in a row. <laughs> Look, I've made it clear. I want the one seed. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets necessarily agree with that assessment based on how they've handled things, but I do think there's a big edge to getting the one seed. Look, I, I have always tried to be as honest as possible when it comes to the Knicks. I don't like them. I despise them from a sports sense. 
And in 2013, I was miserable when the Knicks had the success that they had because we as net fans had a 49 win season, but knew deep down the Knicks were better. The only net fan that should really be that bothered by what the Knicks have accomplished, and they should be proud about what they've accomplished. They have proven everybody wrong. They've had a really good year. And those that care about attention, and, and I'm yeah. sure there are some net fans that care about that, but if you're a true New Jersey Brooklyn net fan, you know, yeah, we're not as popular as the Knicks. Yeah, we've been told our entire lives nobody cares. I'm sure when I tweet out this podcast, <laughs> I'll get a few mentions that say nobody cares. I don't care anymore that nobody cares. So uh, unless you're attention starved and you're bothered that the Knicks are getting a great amount of attention, which they should be getting, they're the Knicks, and I totally understand that, then there really isn't anything to be bothered by. 2013 was different. The Knicks were clearly better. The Knicks aren't better. They're not going to beat the Nets in the playoffs. They're probably going to get knocked out in the first round. You know, who knows? Maybe they surprise us. And so for any Net fan listening right now that's bothered because of the tweets that they get or Nick fans dancing in the streets, uh, chanting F the Nets. Listen, I get it, but who cares? It, it, there's nothing to care about. And, and this discussion we're having now should be the last of our discussion about the New York Knicks and their winning until, if God forbid, we play them in the postseason. Well, two two parts of it, and then we'll close it. One, the, the actual part is the Knicks as a team like are really likable. The part, like if you look at the 76ers, they get so annoying when the Nets play them. It's just the worst like, that's the team you should dislike in a lot of ways yes. because of what we saw with Embiid versus Jared Allen in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Simmons and his comments about the Nets. Like, the Sixers are the ones that just drive you absolutely nuts. But from a standpoint of the guys, the Knicks, Julius Randle's been a great story. He's been he's been fun. R.J. Barrett's improved dramatically. R.J. Barrett and Steve Nash are freaking best friends in the whole wide world. <laughs> so it's, you know, from an actual standpoint of the players and the team, the Knicks are actually very likable. Uh, of course, it's just a rivalry of not wanting to see the Knicks do well. That's annoying. And I will say now, Evan, after seeing this resurgence from the Knicks, I know in the past I said I didn't want them in the playoffs. This has changed my mindset and now kind of makes me crave that they do get to see them. No, I the same thing has happened to me, just to shut people up, just to, yes. to watch them play and have the Nets hopefully 2,000 for them, as we mm -hmm. like to say, yes. like the Nets did to the Knicks. But... It's it's one of those things where the Knicks are more popular than the Nets. They will always be more popular than the Nets. Uh, but we have moved into a place that's very different. Uh, there was never a time in the history of the Nets and Knicks that a group of kids would be chanting F the Nets. No. So it, from that standpoint, it's a different phase in the Knicks and Nets world that we live in. But truthfully, it's irrelevant. And when you analyze this week and you analyze this team, the Knicks should not even be a thought. I mean, the biggest thing that happened this week that I admit has been on my mind for days is the James Harden update because it wasn't a good one. I think we were all expecting Harden's going to come back. Durant's contusion is minor. He suffered that a week ago when we were recording last week's podcast. And the thought was, all right, we're going to get these three guys to get together and play a handful of games. And as we sit here right now, based on what the Nets have told us, and they haven't told us a lot, other than he had a setback and he's back to square one. Well, that seems pretty freaking major. And as we sit here right now, I can't imagine he's coming back 
for any game in the regular season. I mean, the regular season ends in 11 more games. The regular season ends on May 15th. Right now, it's late April. I would be, I'll use the word stunned. I'd be stunned if James Harden plays in a regular season game. And the 72-game season, I think, has impacted that and making people forget, especially me, going, oh, my goodness, the season's almost coming to an end. Like, this is it. The Nets are 41 and 20. They've got 11 games left, and then it's over, and then you got the little play-in tournament, and here we go. We'll, we'll get to the playoffs. So I think that's kind of crept in. People have forgotten about that, just that how quickly the season is coming to an end. And that also, Evan, I got to be honest, I forgot that even James Harden news came in this past week. It's been so weird. I feel like we found out about this three weeks ago in my head because there's just been so many moving parts in and out of lineups. Guys here, guys there. The LaMarcus Aldridge news, everything that has swirled and gone on. It's just the timeline of events with this team has been so difficult to keep up with. And even through all of this that's gone on, they are the one seed. And that is pretty impressive because no Durant for half the season. Kyrie missing a handful of games at chunks of times. Then the James Harden era with the Nets where he was so dominant, but now he's been gone. The fact that they've been able to maintain that is pretty impressive. And, and Steve Nash deserves a lot of credit for keeping the team alive and well and having these role players really step up and play well. That has been pretty impressive with this group. Well, I mean, you hit on it. They are 41 and 20. They have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And they haven't done it by just beating up on the dregs of the league. It's not as if, well, they've beaten up on bad teams. They're 500 against good teams. So even though they haven't had the same roster uh, continuously throughout the season, that's the formula. Their formula is they beat the crap out of everybody. I mean, that that's truthfully their formula. Like when we think back to the, the quote unquote bad losses against good teams, it's usually when they're insanely undermanned, like mm-hmm. the games against Philadelphia. I mean, the only really bad loss that jumps out at you is the game against the Lakers in Brooklyn. That's the one game that, you know, they were relatively healthy. Obviously they had two of the three stars playing and they got their ass kicked Mm -hmm. outside of that dude. When they play these good teams, they beat the daylights out of them. And so despite the fact we haven't seen the finished product, you know, we haven't seen what this rotation is going to look like when, and hopefully it's a, when they're fully healthy, what they have put out on the court on a night-to-night basis. And I thought today, this Sunday game against Phoenix, we're recording this on Sunday night, I thought it was the best example of it. Bro, this is one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. And I don't know about you, I was never worried, even early in this game when they were down, and Kevin Durant's coming off the bench playing limited minutes. I mean, that's the net team that was fighting one of the elite teams, quote-unquote, in the Western Conference. And quite frankly, I think they beat the crap out of them. I think they they toyed with them half the game. They did. They were up 15 in the fourth quarter, but it was never felt like Phoenix had a run in them. And, you know, for to to defend Phoenix a little bit, they're in the fourth or the fifth game of a monstrous East Coast trip, which saw the Sixers and the Bucks, and they're going to finish it off with the Knicks on Monday. So they have... They've had a long road, but it was a different looking Chris Paul. Like the Chris Paul we saw when the Nets went into Phoenix and had that unbelievable comeback was on fire. This Chris Paul looked, he was turning over the ball. He looked disinterested. He was complaining more to the refs than actually caring. And the Nets on offense just picked them apart with Mm. their size. Durant in the post, it was like, do you want to let Durant just destroy you? Or are you going to (laughs) send a double team and then have somebody on the weak side, like a Joe Harris or a Jeff Green, cut to the lay cut to the lane and i just want to say again like 
kudos to Jeff Green. I mean, this guy has been so good and just continues to have these monstrous dunks. I know. It's Every night impressive. he has a monster dunk. Oh my it's god, crazy. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And there's this will never this is this is not a team that people will think of like this, but the Nets team has a lot of similarities to the one we saw with Kenny Atkinson in my view a couple of years ago that went to the playoffs and lost to the Sixers as the 6-3 seed. Because it's all of these no-name guys stepping up every night and playing well and helping them to get wins. Those, those to me with this team, those are the key moments that no one will talk about, but that's been really helpful in helping them win games. Well, you just hit on it. Now, you, you hit on it, and it's never going to be talked about because this is the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets. That's always the discussion about this team, and I understand why. Because they are superstar players, and when they're out there, they're incredible. But when you look at who's played on a night-to-night basis, their leader in terms of games played, the only guy that's played every single game this season, and he's doing it 30 minutes a night, is Joe Harris. The guy who's number two in games played is Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. The guy who's number three in games played is Timofey Lawabo Cabarro, who got a DNP today. Yep. Thank God. The guy who's next in games played is DeAndre Jordan. Great. And the guy who's next after that is Landry Shaman. And then you get to Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and eventually Kevin Durant. And you're right, because how are they here? It's a great question. How are they 41 and 20? How are the Brooklyn Nets the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, they have superstars. Great. I mean, that's an obvious answer. But Kyrie Irving has played in 44 of 61 games. Is that what we're up to? I think we're up to 60, 60. Yeah, 61 games because they're 41 and 20. Exactly. 44 of 61 is not that high of a number. If my math is correct, he's missed 17 games. That's a lot. James Harden has played in 34 of 61 games. That's a lot that he's missed. Obviously, mm-hmm. at the beginning, he wasn't a net. And then Kevin Durant played in his 25th game this season. 25 of 61, that's less than half. So, again, yeah, they've got great players. We get it. But part of the reason why they're 41 and 20 are those guys we just mentioned. Joe Harris, Jeff Green, especially Bruce Brown, who gives this mm-hmm. team such great defensive intensity. We saw the return of Tyler Johnson. I know he's missed a bunch of games, but double man bun has been freaking awesome as a three and D kind of guy. So, and and we've talked about Landry Shamit. So, you know, we saved that for last week. The point is this, that's a big part of how they're 41 and 20 that no one's going to talk about other than Brooklyn net fans. Yeah, where are the Nets if Jeff Green isn't playing this 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 well this year? Remember, I don't remember which game it was. I believe it was a West Coast trip, maybe where Jeff Green we thought maybe yeah. he was hurt and he punched yes. the Gatorade. I don't know who they were playing, but I was like, oh no, we don't have Jeff Green. Where is this season going? And then a name you didn't mention, and I'm I got to be honest, Evan, I am shocked with how well he's played. He has been a difference maker for this team. He is he has hit his shots from the perimeter. He's taken a bajillion charges. He's getting to the basket. He's helping them rebound. His passing's been great. Blake Griffin's been a huge. Oh, he's been great. Nets. He's been awesome. Yeah. He's been great. And I, Blake Griffin, there were two interesting quotes that came out of today. Uh, the, the the win against the Phoenix Suns, one of which came from Blake Griffin, and it's a part of how they've built this team. I remember telling a story that I'm sure no one cared about from about two years ago where Sean Marks would do these little favors for agents and players for like G league players. 
Uh, he would do these really small, tiny favors that meant a lot to these players and a lot to these agents, but word would get around. And that was probably the intent word would get around. Mm-hmm. And Blake Griffin said, the thing I really appreciate most about this team is how they cater to their players. Now I'm sure that can be turned around into this is what's wrong with the NBA. The Nets bend over for their players. It's why they've gotten great players, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a part of why they've ad- attracted them. And the more I watch Blake Griffin and the more I hear him make a comment like that, it would not surprise me if next year he ends up staying and takes yeah. like uh, the mid-level exemption and says, yeah, you know what? Blanket. I'm not a max player anymore. I'm just going to hang out here and try to win because Blake Griffin's become a guy who used to be a superstar. And now he does the dirty work. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy taking charges, like you said, going on the floor for loose balls. And he still will once in a while show you that explosiveness, that athleticism he still has. Plus, he's an excellent passer, and he's been hitting his threes. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin has been, I think I poo-pooed it when they initially signed them. Another thing I'll take an L on, and I don't care. Blake Griffin's been awesome. Yeah, he, he's been huge for this team and helping them, like, like we just talked about with all of that. And it's funny because I remember – I never liked Blake Griffin when the Nets would go up against him and he would just get on my nerves. He would just be one of those players that just, oh, he would just irritate me. And now that he's here with the Nets, I'm like the exact opposite. I'm liking all this stuff. He's joking around with the refs. I'm like, ah, that's my guy, Blake. I love it. I like, I like when you're moving around. It's just so funny how, you know, some of that can change. But yeah, he, he's been He's been key to this team. It'll be interesting too. I was, I was, what as I was, as I was watching this game develop and end, I was, I'll be fascinated just with the lineups and what Steve Nash is going to throw out there. Yeah. If he was out there with Jeff Green and Joe and Kai, and then Durant was that kind of closing final five that he had out there on the court versus uh, the Suns. Yeah, I think so. Nicholas Claxton's missed a bunch of time because of health and safety protocols, which just sucks. Hopefully he's okay. I I don't know what the deal is. Hopefully he's back soon. But I was thinking, all right, what is this going to look like when or if? And I have to throw in if everybody's healthy. Obviously, KD is going to start. We know that with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Uh, I tell you this, man, I like Landry Shamit starting. Because the mm. guy defends. So I like Joe Harris. We both like Joe Harris. Landry Shamit can hit the three. Maybe not on the level of Joe Harris, but he can defend, man. I kind of like him with the starting unit and obviously a big. It's not going to be DeAndre Jordan. I mean, I know DeAndre Jordan's been getting minutes since LaMarcus Aldridge went out, but I think your rotation of bigs you're going to see is going to be Nicholas Claxton, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green. I, I don't know. I think... Depending on the matchup, we'll see DeAndre Jordan. But I think that's going to – because look at the game against Phoenix. It was basically DeAndre and Blake at the five. That's how they ran it. Claxton's got to play when he's back. So it's going to really eat into the minutes that DeAndre gets. And DeAndre, he's he played okay in this game in spurts early. Uh, he would defend a little bit. He had a couple of tip tap-ins. I saw there was one tap-in he had, and Steve Nash was like – applauding him on the side he was so excited about it and then he had one block when somebody went to went to the basket and he defended there but then he'll just have moments where he just completely vanishes and you can't trust him and at this point there's no shot that he's gonna have closing closing minutes in games no just can't expect it at all with his defense and his inability to shoot the basketball and you'll see yeah you see a lot of the jeff greens and the blake griffins right now which which seemed to work um and yeah i love clack that the claxton defense on the perimeter on those pick and rolls is so good. 
I'll be really interested to see crunch time playoff basketball games when you've got Nick Claxton that's got no experience as opposed to maybe, you know, Jeff Green is not quite the defender on the perimeter, but I'm sure, you know, Steve Nash just trusts a lot more because Jeff Green's, you know, seen it all. He was a freaking Seattle supersonic. <laughs> that's that's all you need to know. That's the right. proof that he's seen it all. It was really good to see Tyler Johnson back. I know mm, the lead yes. is Kevin Durant came back and he made it look easy, but here's the reality with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is freaking awesome. All right. We all know it. He makes it look easy. It's just about staying on the court for him. That's mm. it. That, that's really what it comes down to. And every time again, he ever fell on the floor, you get worried. Uh Oh, is he going to get back up? Oh, because this entire season, that's what it's been. This entire season has been start and stop with him. And so you keep your fingers crossed over these final 11 games that he can just stay healthy for the postseason and then in the postseason can be out there. But Tyler Johnson didn't miss a beat either. Mm. He had a couple of threes. He's out there defending. I think his plus minus was one of the best and was a big part of why that. I mean, obviously, Durant was the biggest part about why the net bench dominated the Phoenix game. But Clearly, right. Sean Marks always something saw something in Tyler Johnson, and bringing him in right before the bubble last year is really paying off now. Yeah, it's been awesome. And I was, you know, I I was critical, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't get it. This guy can just hit a couple of shots, but I was completely wrong. He's been he's been fantastic. He's made all of those open shots, defend as well, and you felt a little more comfortable with him in the game as opposed to PLC. And he's just he's more efficient. He likes those corners. He's better. He, yeah, he's just a better basketball player. You know, you're right. And, and the other, like, the thing about TLC is it's not the missed threes. It's just there's so many bonehead plays where he gets beat off the dribble. I feel like if there was a stat for which net has given the other team an and one, TLC would be number one on that list. <laughs> every time he's fouling someone and they're making a shot, it just feels like every time he's on the court, you see TLC and one, he hits somebody's arm every time. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. No, that's why TJ being back such a big deal. So really, uh -huh. the concern we all have is that this is a gigantic science experiment that we have watched the team and I've enjoyed this season. I've had people ask me, has this been fun? Do you like the stars? The answer is easy. I love the stars. As soon as guys are on your basketball team, I know it's difficult to understand it if you're an outsider, if you're not a Nets fan. But as soon as guys are on your team and they're performing for you, you freaking love them. It ain't that complicated. That's basically how sports works. And so I have really enjoyed this season. I, I think sometimes I say it's frustrating and I say, oh, this sucks. This guy's hurt. When are they going to play together? But I think when you take a step back, every night we turn a TV on or there's rare times I'm able to go to Barclays Center, we are watching a great team that we know is going to take the soul of the opponent. And that's not something we're used to. I don't know how this is going to end, obviously. We're hoping it ends with a parade. But... This regular season, for the most part, despite the starts and stops, has been enjoyable because they're winning most of the time. But the real question is going to be now, we are not going to see these three guys play together until the playoffs. I, I just firmly believe that based on how Steve Nash talked about James Harden's injury and how cautious they're going to be. So this is something that can't be compared to anything in the history of the NBA. People no. come up with stats all day long. There is no answer to this. How is this going to work when these three guys are hopefully, because, you know, hopefully they're healthy. Hopefully James Harden's ready to go for round one. How is this going to click in the postseason when we have basically nothing to look back on from the regular season with these three guys playing together? 
And I, one of the big fears when the big three was put together, it was, so oh, there's only one ball. How are these guys going to be able to make the offense work? I mean, that clearly is not going to be an issue at all. The chemistry on that front will be fine. We'll see players taking a step back. Kyrie took a step back when Harden was the distributor. Now Kyrie's taking a step up because Harden's not there. I'm not worried about any of that. I think they'll be okay on that. It's more of just actual physical minutes playing with each other and learning each other. But you could cut left, you cut right. Are you going to go here? Should I be unselfish at this point? That's all going to be part of this science experiment. And it's going to be insane. It's, it's going to be a unbelievable ride that we're about to witness. And it's just, it's just going to unfold in front of our faces and we're going to be experiencing net stuff we've never seen before. It's either going to be the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. And there's not going to be anything in between. I mean, that's well, just the bottom line. I just, I mean, I guess they went to the finals and they had a tough series and lost. Okay. That would suck, but it wouldn't be a disaster. Like they lost in the second round, but there's just going to be some moments, man, where we're just like, I don't know what the hell to expect. <laughs> well, assuming they bring Harden back, for round one, game one. And I don't even know if that's a lock, by the way. Um, they are going to have a lot of time playing together before the rounds get really challenging. And that's not to say, boy, the Washington Wizards are going to be easy or the Indiana Pacers are going to be easy. It's still the playoffs. We're still going to freak out about every moment, about every game. But if we're being fair, they should beat all of those teams. You know, it shouldn't be that big of an issue. And so if you play four or five games, maybe six in the first round, and you play, assuming you get the one seed, four or five, six games in the second round, you will have had 11 games experience going into a series with Philadelphia or Milwaukee. If you're in the NBA Finals, now you're talking about, you know, 18 games, 17 games of experience going into a best of seven series against the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers. So it's one of those things where they're going to learn how to play together. We're going to get to watch them play together in a lot of games before it's really on the line. You know what I mean? And I hate to be arrogant about the first or second round, but assuming these guys start playing in the early rounds, bro, they're going to play a lot before that Nets Lakers NBA finals. No, I get you, Evan, but the second they go and they lose to the Pacers, and Brooklyn and they lose the home court and Levert puts 31 on him and he's hitting fadeaway jumpers and he's making his threes. We're going to freak out. You're going to be like, Oh my God, we're going back to Indiana, at least at one, one. What if this doesn't come together? What if this doesn't work? Right. So I know you're kind of like, ah, we're going to freak out, but those freak outs are going to be painful and scary. And, and, and deservingly so becoming, you know, the, the, the enemy, the team that people dislike, people are going to really get into watching the Nets lose. And if any of those things happen early and it's when Harden returns, it's going to be like, uh-oh, this experiment, you know, oh, I told you that we saw what happened with the Clippers last year in the bubble. You, you got to make sure you guys play together. You just can't form a team. You have to have chemistry. Yeah. It has to work. Uh, so it's it's all going to come there. It's all going to come storming down. But again, I, I do think this team does have good chemistry. They feel like they truly like playing together. They've had a good time and you don't become 41 and 20 by accident with all your stars injured. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's enjoy the science experiment. So get a, it, get an A, please. <laughs> they better. So if the season ended today, all right, they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The four teams that are in the play-in tournament are Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington. 
If you assumed Miami beat Charlotte, which you can't assume, by the way, because Miami has been start and stop all season long. You're looking at Washington, Indiana, Charlotte as a first round opponent. The team I would not want to face of that three would be the Washington Wizards. And I know I'm biased because we watched two brutal losses against the Wizards this year. Both of them were a long time ago. I admit that. The collapse in Washington. Remember where they blew that huge lead in the final seconds? Joe Harris pass. Yeah, that's right. James Harden didn't play in that game. I think that was his one maintenance day of the season. And then the game really early in the season at home where both Durant and Irving missed shots that I think could have won the game. Uh, that was a yeah. bad one early in the season. They did get revenge last month when they beat them in Brooklyn. And that wasn't an easy game no. either. But I don't know, just seeing Russell Westbrook in a best of seven series, it, it that feels like a very annoying, sort of yeah. scary kind of first round. Yeah, that's the one team I would not want to see the most. They're playing good basketball. What is it, nine out of 10 or something like that? And you've got two legit stars in the backcourt, and Russell plays a million miles per hour. You know he's going to want to go out there and do everything that he can to get wins. I get scared of that team big time, especially if they're hot right now. you got to disregard all of the stuff that happened beforehand because that's how they're playing right now. I mean, the team to me that you'd want to see in the first round, if you had to pick of the bunch, is Charlotte oh, just, based, just based on inexperience. Their best player is coming off an injury, and he's only 19, 20 years old. That's the team you'd want to see. That's your typical, like, this is a team that's on the rise. They've got a nice young core, but they're just going to go out there and get their get get slaughtered by the Nets. That's the team you'd want to see. Yeah, I think we would crush them, to be perfectly honest with you. But I, but, I don't know, man. I It's... <laughs> It's weird to ever go into a first-round series with expectations of we better not lose a game. But I think that's going to be our thoughts in the first two rounds of the postseason. I mean, maybe not the second round if it's against a team like Milwaukee if they drop the two or three. And look, they're in a they're in a weird spot to get this one seed because they're they're clearly going to play this conservatively with Kevin Durant. And keep this in mind: the Nets have eleven games left. Three of them, or three, there are three back to backs. So. If you assume they stay consistent on Durant not playing both halves of a back-to-back, at most, he played eight games of the 11 closing out this season. If he plays eight games, I guess that would finish him off at 33 games for the season. He played 33 of 72 games. I guess they could tweak the back-to-backs if they change it in terms of minutes, but they've been pretty consistent all year. I don't even know if there's an example this year where KD's played a back-to-back, so I assume they're going to stick with that over the final few weeks of the season. You probably would bet I would at least that he misses another game in that batch and it goes down to seven and maybe it gets to the end of the season where they've already clinched the spot. Hey, they're the two. Hey, they're the one. It doesn't matter. Durant's probably not playing in those games, even if they want to go get him more minutes or whatnot. Like, you know, you're playing in a meaningless basketball game. Durant gets hurt. What are we doing here? So I would I'd be stunned if he would if he would go in one of those games. So I'm looking maybe at that at that seven marker uh, for Kevin Durant to finish off, finish off this wild season. And, and I think that Philadelphia, Philadelphia is weird right now because Ben Simmons has missed time now. They haven't played great basketball, but if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, it's dog crap. I mean, there really isn't. I know they've got a back-to-back with Atlanta and give the Atlanta Hawks credit, man. They have played well without Trey Young. They actually beat the Milwaukee Bucks today. So that's a, mm. that's a hell of a win for Atlanta. Bogdanovich has been awesome. I, I've always had a man crush on John Collins. So they're hanging in there without Trey Young. 
So Atlanta is certainly not a team to roll over, but they have back-to-back games against Atlanta at home. The rest of their schedule features the Spurs, the Bulls, the Rockets, the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Pacers. They close the year with back-to-back games against the Magic. Mm -hmm. Assuming Philadelphia beats the slop that's on their schedule, it ain't going to be easy for the Nets because you know that trip they have coming up. They got back-to-back games in Milwaukee against the Bucs. They go to Dallas. They go to Denver. That's not an easy stretch no. of games that they have coming up. No, I'll be curious to see the Bucs a little bit because the Nets really, the only game we have against Milwaukee was when they, the early portions of the James Harden era when they went out and beat the Bucs in, in Brooklyn. So yep. I haven't yep. really seen much of the Bucs uh, and not at all really versus the Nets. So I'll just kind of be curious to gauge Milwaukee that's a team that's kind of struggled a little bit this year, hasn't had the same regular season that they have in the past two seasons. Obviously that doesn't matter because they fall, fell flat in the last two playoffs where they were with the one seed. So I'll be kind of curious just to see what we get with Milwaukee and see how the Nets uh, do against them, uh, even if it is just a regular season. But yeah, the, the, the Nets schedule is a lot more difficult. And if you're the Sixers, you would think you could, you know, you're going to go nine and two, eight and three. And, you know, for the Nets, We'll see what happens. But then for them, you know, they haven't had many stretches where they go six and five. I mean, their typical week's going to be seven and four or eight and three or nine and two. By the way, I, I know I've asked you in the past and I've kept track of this all year and it's turned out to be more fascinating than I ever imagined. And that's this team's records broken <laughs> down by who's playing. Like when all three play, when two of the three play, right. when KD Kyrie plays, when it's just Kyrie, when it's just KD, when it's yeah. just James Harden. I'll ask you this because we've kind of broached this subject and I know it's been brought up before. Can the Brooklyn Nets win an NBA title with two of the three stars? If one of the guys is hurt and I know it then comes down to, well, which is the guy that's hurt? Is it Katie and James Harden without Kyrie? Is it Kyrie and James Harden? And remember they had all those games together. I think they were 14 and three when it was just Katie and uh, when it was Kyrie Irving and James Harden. But I did break it down out of curiosity to forget who the two guys are, how many times has the Brooklyn Nets played a game where two of the three stars have played? So they have now played 61 games, okay? Yeah. How many of the 61 games has been with two of the three superstar players? Educated guess, top of, top of my head, I'll say 38. It's a good guess, but it's too high. The answer is 32. Mm. So, so half, basically, yeah, right around half, which again, they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. They're 41 and 20. They have played 32 of their 61 games. So a little bit more than half with, yeah, two of the three superstars. Their no, record. I, yes. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Their record when two of the three guys play is 24 and eight. So whatever the combination is, whether it's KD Kyrie, in which their record is a very respectable seven and five, but nothing amazing. When it's KD James Harden, their record is two and oh. When it's Kyrie James Harden, it's 14 and three. And when you add it all together, 23 and eight, when two of the three stars play, which is, I mean, it's not evidence they can win a championship with two of the three stars, but it's evidence that when two of the three guys have been out there, they have basically dominated their opponents. They've kicked ass. 
My answer then is yes. I, th- I think they could do it. I wouldn't feel as, as confident and as sure, obviously, without having the three guys and just having the two. But I, I'll go back to what I said before. I think the role players have played so well and are good enough. That makes me feel confident. Like my biggest fear when the Nets dealt for Harden, besides all the stuff about being overweight and caring, and is he going to be the same kind of player, was they just lost all of their depth. They just got destroyed by depth, and they had nobody left on the bench. But Bruce Brown's played so well. Landry Shamit's played so well. Nicholas Claxton's come out of nowhere. Blake Griffin signed. He's been really good for them. Um, Jonathan's played well shooting. He's been surprisingly great. So because of that, because the bench doesn't seem depleted like I thought it would be when they made the trade, that's the part of it where I'm like, you have two superstars and a really good bench. Yeah, you can win a championship. Like the Sixers bench isn't very good. The Bucks have a one star, then maybe two guys that are pretty good. So with all of that in mind, yeah, I think they can because not because not because of how good the superstars are, which ultimately, yes, that's going to be the difference. But I feel enough confidence in the guys around them that make me feel like it could be done. But boy, it would be nice to have all three. Now, just remember, cherish this regular season, okay? Cherish being down by 14 of the Phoenix Suns and not being completely worried because when they're down three to the Washington Wizards five minutes into a game, no matter how much confidence we have you know, kind of gained through this regular season, the playoffs are a completely different animal and we'll probably go back to being the same shell-shocked net fans we've been. So we've got a few weeks left. Let's take a deep breath. Let's enjoy it. Let's be happy for our neighbors. Okay, our neighbors are doing very well. There's no reason for us to be upset about it. Good for our neighbors in Manhattan. Let's hope for the best for James Harden's hamstring. And before you know it, it's going to be go time. It's going to be go time. All right, so hopefully that pep talk helped you out. Basically, yeah, have a great... I'm, fi- I'm fired up. I'm fired Good. up. Good. I fired everybody up. Great. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the games this week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.